what's going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieved stardom. On this episode, we had the opportunity to talk with Travis Mills and Nick Gross of Girlfriends over Zoom video. Travis was born and raised in Riverside, California, and he talks about how he got into music. He has an amazing story about jumping on the Warp Tour. His friend was selling t-shirts or had a booth at the Warp Tour. He did the whole Warp Tour basically as a merch guy, and he would set up after he sold t-shirts for a few hours, not officially on the Warp Tour bill, but would set up with a little PA and he would do his songs, and then he'd walk around with a disc man with a CD and uh, put his headphones on people and, and pretty much hustle his CD. He did that through the 2009 Warp Tour, and then a couple of years later, he was asked to headline the main hip-hop stage. So kind of a cool story there. He talks to us about getting signed to a major label early on and what that was like. Nick talks to us about being born and raised in Laguna Beach, started drumming at an early age, actually started off on piano and then moved to drums. He played drums in the band Open Air Stereo, which was on the reality show Laguna Beach, so you might recognize him from that. He talked about how that band got signed to a major label early on, kind of the pressure that held from that band breaking up to playing drums for a handful of artists. We talk about how Nick and Travis ended up meeting, how they formed girlfriends, writing the first record during the COVID quarantine lockdown. And they tell us all about the new girlfriends record coming out as well. You can watch our interview with Travis and Nick on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at bringing it backwards. It would be awesome if you subscribe to our channel like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with girlfriends. Yeah, I'm Adam, by the way, and this podcast is about you, uh, your journey in music. I don't know if you mind touching on, obviously, your early piece of your career, which is, and then girlfriends I want to talk about as well. Of course, man. I mean, it, it, that's what got us here, you know? Sure, sure. <laughs> okay. Some people don't want to talk about it, but I, I appreciate uh, that you, you're willing to. So um, you from originally from Riverside? Riverside, California. Yeah. Born and raised, man. I'm like a SoCal kid. Inland Empire. I'm from San Diego. I know. Okay. I know the about fact the that spot. you even know what the IE is, <laughs> is huge to me. Like, yeah, you already got points. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, tell me about Riverside. I mean, I know a little bit, but obviously I want to hear your, your take on Riverside, California. Oh, man. Uh, I'm very grateful that I grew up there. You know, there's not a ton of opportunity in terms of like, you know, music and like anything kind of in like entertainment. Um, I think the one thing that it really kind of forced anyone who grew up there to do is like, if you were into that stuff, you really had to kind of create your own scene. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, you know, the first shows that I grew up going to were in people's backyards and like in coffee shops and like in a Denny's, just like weird, just like the most weird places that you'd never think there'd be a show um well that's that's where they were we'd hop fences and just do like all kinds of crazy things not to mention we did have a really really historic venue called showcase theater that was in corona california which is mm -hmm. like 15 minutes away from where i grew up 
that's closed now, unfortunately. Oh, it is. Okay. It is. So like showcase. And then we would drive to like Anaheim to chain reaction. I was going to say, I mean, what about glass house? Is that glass house in Pomona? Okay. Now glass yeah. house, like at that time, like when I was a kid, that was like the staple center. might as well, you know, oh, like okay. <laughs> it, it was like a huge, huge venue. So like you only went there for like really big shows, big, big bands. Right. And the fact that like we just played there back in like November was like super cool and like nostalgic for me. And, um, you know, I walked in and I was like, damn, like it felt a lot bigger back in the day, you know? Um, (laughs) But like, yeah, I mean, it really like forced me to be creative in like how I approached wanting, you know, to be in a band and stuff. And not only that, but like fame or like success or money was never the end goal right because mm-hmm. like for me like record deals only happen to people in movies it right. didn't really like ha- i didn't know anyone with a record deal i didn't know any like it was just such a foreign concept um so i feel like it it really everything started out with with pure intentions right mm-hmm. like no one did anything to like get something um, which sure. was which was a beautiful thing and like really forced me to be uh, creative and kind of use my resources and really like embody that DIY mentality that, you know, Nick and I even have to like we still implement today, especially with girlfriends. Sure. Hey, Nick, how's it going, man? Hey, great, man. <laughs> I'm Adam. Nice to nice awesome. to, meet Good you to meet you too. Thank you for being here. Uh, I was uh, telling you guys that basically this is about you and your journey in music and how you got to where you are now. And uh We'll pick up I, right now. Travis is kind of telling us the beginning half of his story, and I'd love to hear yours here in a second. Cool, sweet. Or okay, so actually, you can just jump right in. Are you from Riverside as well? You know, I'm not, but close. Okay. I'm from Laguna Beach, so Southern California. Okay, yeah, cool. cool. Yeah, Tell man. me about that. I know I'm from San Diego, so I can just. I mean, dude, real quick. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, anyone who gets to grow up in Southern California is is blessed and lucky, especially if you get to be in Laguna Beach. It's like California's Hawaii is how I describe it. And yeah, my my upbringing in Laguna Beach was was um, what's the word for it? I mean, I probably had the best time of my life, to be honest. Surfing, good looking women, you know, not much school. <laughs> a lot of music, a lot of concerts, a lot of trouble. Um, definitely not the average situation. So I, I feel very lucky, yeah, to have come from Laguna and a lot of drummers. You know, Travis Barker grew up in mm-hmm. Laguna as a trash man. Sure. Taylor Hawkins, rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins. You know, mm-hmm. another Laguna legend. So yeah, it's it's, it's breeding um, a good good group of drummers. That's for sure. For sure, very cool. And uh, Travis, well, how did you get into music originally? Obviously, you're talking about you know shows and everything you were attending as a kid. But like, what really drew you in? Was there an instrument you grabbed early on, or? I think I mean I wanted to be a musician since I could even like walk and talk and like knew what music was. You know, like my my grandfather got me an acoustic guitar when I was like five or six, and I started stomping around on that thing. Um, And my grandma, she got remarried when I was about like five and I wrote a song and I performed it at her wedding. Really? Uh, that young? Oh dude, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I was probably singing gibberish, you know, like, um, but they let me like perform it. I was like always just like obsessed with like performing. Um, and in sixth grade, I started a punk band with some of my friends and we played like a Christmas talent show And then from there, it was just kind of like finding my community and like the people that I wanted to surround myself with. And that 
like similar bands and, you know, wanted to go to, to shows and, um, honestly just like, yeah, kind of like one happy accident after the other is like mm-hmm. what led me here. I, you know, I, I think, uh, it was just something that I loved doing and it never kind of felt like a job or like work. And it was just something like I, it's where I wanted to be. It's what I wanted to do. And so I did mm-hmm. it. That's amazing. And with you, Nick, what was the first instrument you learned? Was it drums? Yeah, it was actually, it was actually piano. My mom oh, piano. me to jump on the piano when I was five years old and I did not like it, but to this day, I'm so thankful that I, I stuck with it and like did lessons every week and did that whole grind as a young kid. Cause I think piano can definitely lay the foundation for a lot of musical things later on in your life, you know, and, and including drumming. So yeah, drumming for me came probably two after two years after piano and it started drumming when I was seven years old. I was an only child. So I think my parents, you know, wanted to keep me busy through music. And thankfully drums were something for me that just immediately connected when I was a young kid. I just like could figure out like my hands connected with my feet and it mm-hmm. was just kind of on from there. So it came supernatural for me and yeah, man, started young. Nick's a Did big you- pianist. <laughs> huge, huge pianist. Uh- did you start any bands early on? I mean, Travis was writing a song, what, at six, seven years old for your grandma's <laughs> wedding? Like, oh, yeah. Did you, yeah. When did you start playing with other yeah, people? Yeah, I was obsessed, man. Like, I, I started my first band, I think, when I was eight years old with my buddy. I remember driving to an Anaheim Ducks game, you know, saying to my parents in the back of the car, like, hey, I started a band. You know, do you want to hear the band name? So it was already kind of in me as a young kid. And then in high school, I started a band called Open Air Stereo. Um, you know, we were featured on an MTV show called Laguna Beach back in the day. We had our, uh, our first record deal when I was 17 years old. So that kind of just like fueled me into the music industry at a super young age. And then, yeah, just played for a lot of artists in my early 20s um, off of different labels. Just got a lot of experience in different styles and genres of music. Played with hip hop artists, you know, women pop artists, different, all different kinds of bands. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I've finally found the best band to date in girlfriends. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I remember Laguna Beach. That was a great show. <laughs> and then it had like 20 spinoffs and, um, the whole deal. Yeah. <laughs> so that your band from there, you, you got a deal. That's amazing. Like, what was it like signing a record deal at a young age like that? I mean, elated. I thought I was the coolest guy on the planet. You know, um, mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I took some of that money and bought myself, you know, brand new set of rims for my truck. So that was a big moment for me. Um, And then I blew it all and got dropped and, you know, learned a huge life lesson from, from thinking you're on top of the world to really not really understanding a lot about the music industry in general, like music publishing or how record deals were done or what touring was like. And you're just kind of riding this high of, of getting signed and having that be such a quote unquote cool thing to do as a young kid and, and really lost it all pretty quickly, probably in over a span of two years. Um, and that kind of lesson of, of losing the label probably taught me more in my music career than anything else. Mm-hmm. I can see how that could happen. I mean, as a kid, that was always like, I'd see these bands. Getting, I mean, I, in San Diego, you see like blink. I remember when they were in American pie, like my mind was blown. Like, Oh my gosh, like this band from our town is like in a movie and like, you're seeing all the success and I, I can imagine getting signed to a, a label or major label. Like, yeah, this is it. You know, we've, we've made it. And it's, it's kind of just like the beginning, right? 
That's hundred percent right. Yeah. The work starts at that point, you know, to yeah. stay relevant and to stay on the label and to, you know, continue to make yourself a priority and be in front of people. Those were all things we were not thinking about at 18 years old. It was like, so yeah. Wow. And what, and Travis, you also had success pretty early on as well. I did. Um, yeah, for me, it was like, I started, you know, I didn't even, I didn't even think like, like I said, that I could get a record deal. You know, I was, uh, I was like 18 or I was 19. I was in hair school. I was going to school to, to cut hair. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I started, I made a MySpace page, uh, in, in my bedroom and, and I'd gotten a MacBook, um, for like my birthday or something. I was like super excited because I'd always wanted one and it came with garage band. And so I just started pulling like random instrumentals off of uh off of the internet and kind of putting them in garage band and like learning how to record myself i didn't even have a microphone so i'd like hold up my laptop and kind of like sing into the to the you know microphone that we're using right now to do this podcast um it was you know and it was like a great learning experience because i'd been in bands before i hated the fact that i had to rely on other people like if i wanted to make music you know i'd have mm -hmm. to have five people come over and you have to sit in there and I was definitely like always the most driven one, right? Like mm -hmm. I wanted to practice every day. I wanted to write songs. I wanted to go play shows. And some of the other dudes in the bands I was in were like more interested in like drugs and drinking and, you know, girls and parties and stuff like that, which is cool. So when I got that MacBook, it really felt like freedom and like a door kind of opened for me that like I could do this by myself. And that's where like mm -hmm. the whole idea of, of a solo artist uh, project kind of came from. And so I made a MySpace page, started recording these like freestyles in my bedroom, in my closet and started posting them. And um, I woke up one day and one of them had like, you know, a hundred thousand plays and like every it was just crazy it was absolutely insane because i was like living at my parents house um and you know mind you i just spent like a year and a half two years in hair school spent all this money getting like my cosmetology you know license and um literally like the day that i got it i got asked to go on warp tour this is back in 2009 wow and it wasn't even like officially it was like my buddy had a clothing company they were like a sponsor for the tour. So they had like a big tent and he was like, if you come and sell my t-shirts for my company, I'll let you play like a 10 minute set in the tent. You know, you can bring your own PA. Um, you set up the tent, you count in all the shirts, you sell everything during your lunch break every day you can play. And I was like, okay, cool. So like I had a bunk spot that he was paying for. Um, I brought my laptop. I brought like a PA and literally every day I'd wake up at like six in the morning. I'd go set up his tent spot. I count in the merch. I'd sell till like noon or one. I'd walk back, get all my equipment, lug it through like a grass field, set it up by myself. I'd like announce to like 10 people that I was about to play a show and I would literally play a show in this tent in a grass field every day for 60 days um, for no money. And like, you know, like the first day it was like three people. Then it was like five people. Then it was like 10 people. When the tour ended back in Pomona after two months, I had like 150 kids in this tent to where it was like packed out and it was kind of like a safety hazard. So that was really cool for me to like go from like 
you know, no real life fans to like sticking with it, you know? And like, by the way, my friend wasn't paying me to be there. I had no uh-huh. money. So like I bought, remember like those towers of uh, blank CDs? Oh yeah. You could buy like 200 blank discs. Mm-hmm. So I had, you know, my old laptop had the CD disc in it. So I, I had like four songs to my name, four or five songs. So every night uh, after, you know, after the show, when we were driving in the next city, I would sit and just burn like 50, 60 CDs. Wow. I would write my MySpace URL on them. And the next morning after I got up at six in the morning, instead of tent, I would walk the line with a CD player and headphones and go and put it on kids and be like five bucks, five bucks, five bucks. And I was making like, you know, a hundred, two hundred dollars a day selling these CDs. So like halfway through the tour, I saved up enough money to print my own t-shirt. And so during my set, I would sell that. So it was just like a lot of finessing, a lot of like DIY punk rock, just kind of get in where you fit in. Uh But I really like got to cut my teeth um, and experience like, you know, what it's like to be on the road. And, And when, when you're forced to make shit happen, like you just do it. And so you know, all this other stuff now, it's like, I'm so lucky, man, because like, I know what it's like to be like a one man, you know, everything mm-hmm. relies on you. And like, um, I'm really grateful for for that summer because it really showed me like how much work it was going to take and like how dedicated you had to be. And, you know, I'd be around these artists that would be like throwing fits because I don't know, like, you know, they didn't have a shower, you know, and I, I'd be like, <laughs> dude, I'm, I haven't showered in five days. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm eating top ramen for every meal, you know? Oh man. I, a couple questions on this. One is, did, were you like officially on the Warped Tour bill? Or God, was it no, just, Kevin Lyman just, had, had no idea who I was. <laughs> he had no idea who I was. I was like a leech. I was a cockroach just like existing in the shadows of what Warped Tour was. That is amazing. I've never heard anyone say that before. That's, first of all, that's incredible. And second, to build a crowd of like 150 kids that are now coming to this tent where you should be selling, he's all he knows is somebody selling t-shirts there, right? Is he like curious at one point? Like what, what is happening? Like who's this artist that's now performing to 150 of my ticket payer, you know, fans? In oh, this, this 100%. I mean, like that, that, that was uh, the summer of 2009. And, you know, like after that tour, I was like, okay, cool. I got, I got a booking agent from that. Like, you know, wow. started like going and like playing these like little tiny shows to where, you know, just kept building momentum, momentum, momentum. And then Kevin invited me, I was officially on the tour in 2012. So three years later, I was headlining their hip hop stage, which mm-hmm. was really cool. Not only that, I had my own tour bus. I had a crew of 14 people, you know, like it was just like so different. Like the first time <laughs> that I did it, no name on, like no one knew who I was, you know, till like 2012 where it was like a thing. And um, yeah, I mean, Kevin would joke, you know, we joked all the time about that. So, you know, shout out to Kevin Lyman for, you know, he could have been like, yo, we're not doing this. Like shut this down. It's right. Cool. You could have like, shut you down in the beginning. But, you know, I feel like that's like that's what they had to do with that tour. Like when they started in, you know, 98 or 99, like they were taking over parking lots and like dirt fields and like putting a stage there, you know, like Mm -hmm. he understands that grind more than anyone. And so I think um, 
you know, there's, there's also like so many bands that, that did that, you know, and like that really kind of had to follow tours and vans and, and do the whole like selling CDs to lines. Like it became kind of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's how I started, man. And I love that you had the, would you have like a Walkman or Discman and you were going around putting Yeah, it was like a heads? CD player with like the <laughs> headphones and the auxiliary. And like, yeah. you know, I mean, thinking back on it now, like, I don't think anyone would do that. But like, I used to like walk through a line of 500 people putting headphones uh, after like, you know, on your head, on Nick's head, uh, like, hey man, just listen to this, listen to this. Some people yeah. would tell you to fuck off. Other people would sit there and be like, oh, it's amazing. I don't have any money. Oh, this is amazing. Here, I'll give you 10 bucks. Like, you really had to kind of become like a, a salesman, you know, you had to sell yourself. Right. To right. People like really quick. That reminds me, like I lived in San Francisco for a handful of years and I remember walking down the street and uh, there's a group of guys that were always hanging out in front of where I worked and he, they would have the headphones like, Oh man, I got a new record. Got a new. And like, I'm like, this is like totally like guerrilla style sales right here. And I, I was envious of them. Cause I'm like, I can never do that. But the fact that you did, that's amazing. Well, I to had to, I had, you know, I, I needed money to eat. Like I wasn't getting <laughs> paid. I was, I got an opportunity and that was it. And so I kind of had to figure the rest out, you know? Sure. Yeah. And what about you, Nick? Uh, when did you guys meet? Like when did, when was your first like encounter with each other? Trav and, and I? Yeah. Yeah. Trav and I, we probably met, I mean, probably right around 2014, I would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, Trav would come over to my studio space in, uh, here in Los Angeles and Hollywood. And, uh, yeah, we kind of just became friends and then played our first show together in Orange County in 2015 during his team mills stuff. And I got to drum for a show, which was a, a lot of, fun. Oh, yeah, wow. I, I always really admired Travis and the stuff he'd done in music and, um, knew about him. And so it was a really cool way to kind of just jump in and play a quick show in our backyard in Orange County and get to know each other through that right away, which is pretty fun. I mean, we, I think we posted the photo of that, I don't know, a couple months back of our, it was one show show and then we didn't do anything else. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was cool. And then we kind of just stayed connected ever since. And we got reconnected in 2019, um, you know, through, uh, through some type of podcasting we were doing together. And then, Travis sent me a message on Instagram and DM'd me. I think I was posting something around drumming with Goldfinger with John Felbin. And Mm -hmm. Trav was like, man, I really want to start a band again, you know, do this music thing. It'd be awesome to explore something together. And I'm like, of course, let's do it. And it was kind of uh, fireworks ever since. Love at first sight. That's amazing. So you was Travis, you recording with at Nick's studio for the T-Mill stuff and then you needed a drummer. Is that how the back in the day? Yeah, I was uh, I was uh, working at at Nick's studio. um, So we just became friends from, you know, me being there all the time. Uh, I had a drummer who it was like something happened or like, I don't know, he he got on another tour. um, And so I asked Nick, I was like, yo, I have the show coming up. obviously like the guy that usually plays for me is out. Would you be open to, to drumming? And he was like, hell yeah. So he learned like 15 songs. <laughs> we like rehearsed like one time and we played this amazing uh, charity show in Orange County um, where we did like a toy drive uh, that I did every single year around Christmas. Mm-hmm. And um, it was awesome. And then, you know, I want to say like a year and a half, maybe two years after that, I took a hiatus from my solo project um, just because I've been doing it so long, you know, I, I like wanted something else. I wasn't really inspired. And when I 
don't really feel that like I'm not someone who wants to force things right like I started music because it was fun and it was an outlet and it was something I was passionate about and you know I'd been through the major label grind I'd been on tour for like nine months a year Mm -hmm. for like seven years I was like just kind of I don't know needed a reset just like uh, you know my personal life And, and so I took a hiatus and um really like did some soul searching and after like three years uh, I, I was ready to start, you know, a new chapter, but I knew that I wanted it to be different, right? Mm-hmm. Like I wanted it to, to be a new sound. I wanted to write new songs. I, I didn't want to necessarily be a solo artist. And so I had this idea of, you know, starting a band and, and Nick and I were think, thankfully were like in the same kind of headspace. And so, yeah, like he said, I, I called him up and I was like, Hey man, I want to, uh, I want to start a band. Like, would that be something you're into? Like I, I miss touring. I want to go on tour again. I want to write music. And he was like, yeah. This is in December of 2019. <laughs> I was going to like, like, <laughs> okay, keep going. he's like, cool. Well, like, let's meet up and like, let's listen to some records and let's talk about what it could be like. And I was like, cool. So we did that in January. It was like right after new year's got in the studio, started listening uh, to music and talking about what it could be like, came up with the band name. I think February we were like in, and we wrote our first like two, three songs and then COVID happened. Right. And now and, it's like a halt, right? And you, right well, when you started to get kind of momentum, or not momentum, but when the band's together, I want to tour, I want to do this again. And then now it's like, well, we can't do this. Definitely like a shock. I mean, we knew we weren't going to like tour the first month of being a band, you know, but like I was, right. it was actually, it was a blessing in disguise for the band. I don't want to say like COVID, you know, the pandemic right. was a blessing for anyone, but for the band, I was actually supposed to leave for eight weeks, eight to 10 weeks and go film this TV show. Um, so like me and Nick wrote a couple songs and I was like, all right, I'll be back in 10 weeks. We can get back in and we'll figure this all out. And I left and like the day that I left, everything happened. So I had to fly home. So I called him and I'm like, hey, the show is shut down until further notice. Let's just fucking stay in the studio. And so we got to, and like, we really got to kind of expedite that process of, you know, when you're in a band with people, you spend so much time together. There's bands that, you know, before they make a record, they've all been friends for five, six, seven years and hanging out. So like Nick and I, you know, we really got to take advantage of that time and like build that bond and that camaraderie that it takes to like work with someone every day and make music and create with them. So we just locked ourselves in a studio at Feldy's house and, started writing songs and that's how we kind of like, we just kept our head down and just kept working. And, you know, we're all like, obviously we're like, well, when do we announce this band? Like, when is the right time? We obviously Mm -hmm. didn't want people to think this was like a COVID project. Like, Hey, we're just bored. And so we started this because it wasn't, you know, we'd been wanting to do this. Um, And yeah, we, we went in and we made a bunch of songs that we were really proud of. And then we're, kind of tasked with like, well, shit, how do you put out an album when the world stopped? Right. And was that like, do you, you have these songs, you have an album. Do you, at that point, are you thinking, do we hold on to it? Like, what do we do? Like hundred percent. We had all those. I mean, yeah, the world was in a place that we hadn't experienced in our lifetimes. And so it felt a little like egotistical, you know, to be like, Hey, look at us, you know? Right. Right. And then after a certain uh, after a certain amount of time passes though, it's like, okay, well, when, when is the right time? Like, are we just going to wait for two? Like, you know what I mean? You kind of have mm-hmm. to like get on with it. Um, and so we, we waited for what we felt like was, you know, a good, good amount of time. And 
in June, we announced the band. And I think in July, we put out our first song, which is California. And it's fucking awesome. Yeah, it does. It does amazing. I love the album cover that you guys have with the earbud that's like pierced all the oh, way. Man, yeah, you're the, you're the only person to say that. Thank you. Am I really? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. I like it. I think it's a rad uh, album art cover. Um, what was it like? Now you're in a band situation, uh, Travis. Was it a different dynamic writing? Because before you were a solo artist and uh, I've. I don't know. I like it. I like it better. I think Nick and I like really kind of push each other and we like, I trust Nick, Nick trusts me. So it's like, you know, if we disagree on something, which is really rare, we'll kind of have a discussion about it. And the best idea always wins. It's like, there's no real ego when we're in the studio, which is like so refreshing. And that's also why, you know, me and him didn't want to be in a band with five people like us being a duo, a two piece is like very intentional, Mm -hmm. you know, because it can get, messy real quick you know with like that many people cooks in the kitchen um but yeah i think like you know oftentimes like i'll be overthinking something and nick's like yo it's great i'm like cool or like you know what i mean like we we have this this really good organic dynamic in the studio which makes creating fun and like Mm -hmm. how it should be yeah what was the first like what was the first show you guys were able to do the first show well it was uh a live stream. Well, yeah, it was oh. a Roxy. Yeah, a live stream at the Roxy in December 2020. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was like right before Thanksgiving. It was like, no, or yeah, like like right after Thanksgiving. December. By the way, I didn't want to do it. And Nick, Nick, uh, I'm glad that we did too, but Nick was like a really big advocate for doing it because like I was like, the whole live stream show thing is like really weird. And like, I don't, I don't know if I like that and I don't want it to be our first look, but you know, it gave us a chance to play the album through its entirety and kind of like show that this was a, a real thing. We are a real band. Like we're, we're musicians and like, welcome to this world, you know? Mm-hmm. Were you Nick, were you guys playing just to an empty hall there or an empty room? At yeah. The yeah. I was, yeah. I was an empty room. I mean, I brought my son and my two year old and like my wife and Trav had like two or three friends there, but it was such a weird time. Um, There's just like three cameras in the rock scene. Yeah. Right. No one. Yeah. It's so weird, man. Yeah. That's, I've, I've been to the Roxy a handful of times for shows and I'm just trying to envision this. Like, yeah, you're just on the stage and then no one around, no one in this like, yeah, you, yeah, roped finish, area. You finish a song, yeah. You finish a song and then you hear like a, Woo! <laughs> it's like, well, not kids, only that too, wife, but like, like, as a drunk man, like, you know, you pull the microphone off the stand and like at a live show, you could put it out. You can like, you, right. know, you pull it off the stand and walk to the front of the stage and there's nobody there. So you like, you walk back and like, put it back on and just like keep singing it's like it, it was weird for sure was it hard to cut kind of, yeah i i can't even imagine like was it must have been hard to kind of interact as if it's a show right now you're like okay we're done and like did you do banter in between songs like and you yeah i mean we knew that off. you know there was you know like i don't know thousand like a thousand something people watching us yeah um, you know so like just talking directly to them like looking at the camera like it, it was it was really cool. And like when you watch the live stream, like you would never know, you know. It was like right. awkward. Like it's it's shot really well. It sounds amazing. Like and we we like once again we made the best of of what we had um, with what we could, and and I'm really proud of it. Mm-hmm. And then coming into the your first live set in front of real people, like 
tell me the difference there. I mean, what, what was the energy like there? Well, Nick and I, you know, being true to our roots, we wanted to play. We, we our, our homies were throwing these things, these like very underground, almost illegal, party. almost illegal shows, right? Okay. Like during. They were very illegal. Yeah, they, they were illegal. During COVID, like, well, we're They pretty much like <laughs> took over like warehouses. <laughs> Um, now this is in 2021. So we're like, you know, kind of on the other side, but, uh, they were like taking over these warehouses and just like throwing shows really, they kind of announced them like the day, like they give out the address the night of, Mm -hmm. um, and so we got asked to play this show and we're like, okay, cool. Well, like we've never played a live show before. Let's do this. It's very punk rock, like sweaty walls, very small space, you know? And, uh, we didn't end up going on stage, I think, until 2.30 in the morning. Oh, man. Uh, it was complete mayhem in the best way. Um, and, like, yeah, in some, like, dirty downtown brick alley, weird, like, no sound system. Like, they brought in their own PA. Uh, very DIY, which, uh-huh. which I love that that was, like, our first show. That's awesome. Was it, I mean, for you, Nick, with the drum kit, were you kind of like, okay, this is uh, concerning. I mean, I don't know. You've got like a yeah, full thing of equipment. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was very, very concerning. Yeah, the entire <laughs> yeah. experience was very concerning. Uh, yeah, it was, it makes for a good story. You know, I think we were just itching to play in general. And those were kind of the things that were going on in town and no tours were happening. So that's what you do. Sure. Got to make do with what you have. Um, and you, I want to talk about the new song missing you is the, the newest one you guys have just put out. Is this all, well, tell me about the song and then I'll, I'm curious if it's part of an, uh, your next record. Yeah. So, uh, we dropped missing you and a, another song called pretty mouth, uh, a couple weeks ago. So we're dropping like two songs at a time. Um, I don't know when this airs. Whenever uh, you'd like. Yeah. Well, <laughs> by the time this is out. So, uh, we just put out two more new songs. Uh, they're called Hi Again and Toaster for a Swim. And these two songs, plus Missing You and Pretty Mouth, all four of these uh, are on our new record. And the new album is called Emotion Sickness. It comes out June 17th. I love um, that name. That's really creative. Thank you, man. Um, we're, we're, we're really proud of it. We've put a lot of time into the second record. And um, we feel like, you know, this is just an evolution of, of where Girlfriends is and like where we're going and where we want to kind of push you know, this scene and, and this genre to next. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I couldn't be more proud of it. Like Nick and I, you know, that's all we think about. That's all we talk about. And like, we just can't wait for people to hear all of these songs and slowly, but surely we're rolling them out and, uh, mm-hmm. and they're getting a taste of it, which is cool. Yeah. I'd say the first album we probably put together in four months, this album we've put together over a collection of like a year and a half. It's been really interesting putting this thing together, but I think we've been trying to be a little bit more, um, I don't know, just like selective and have intentional. more yeah, intentional and opinionated about things in all the right ways. But yeah, we're just really focused on seeing how this girlfriend's brand and identity can continue to evolve. And we, we took our time with this one and we're really stoked on the record. I think they'll probably be close to around 15 songs on the, on the album. So wow, pretty cool. That is really cool. Was it recorded in a similar way? Like, did you guys do it like at John Feldman's house again? Or? Yeah. Yeah. We okay. did some of it at my studio at the noise nest. And then we did the majority mm-hmm. of it at, uh, at Feldman's house. And we just, you know, we looked at like all the way down to drum samples we were using, you know, on the first record compared to the second. So I would play my live kit 
and then just selections over different samples to add on top of my live kit to make it sound more full. There's, there's definitely different choices you can make in terms of like snare sounds and kick drum sounds that you can layer on top of a drum kit. And Mm -hmm. those are the type of details I think we just went really into for the second album, just to give it some, a new kind of uh, life and energy and like crispiness and the whole deal around the sound of this album compared to the first one. So we're, we're excited. Yeah. It's interesting that you put the first one out. I mean, had the whole thing done, you said in four months, and then this time you kind of spent a bit, you were able to spend a bit more time, but in reality, I mean, it's, it's interesting that that first one was done so quickly, I guess, to me. I mean, we really had, you know, nothing else to do. Like, <laughs> nothing but time. We, 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 we were afforded <laughs> the luxury of like time to like really focus with this album, you know, four months of last year, we were on the road touring. Right. Um, which, which is a beautiful thing too, because it really gave us like the feedback of like, the songs from our first record and like what we wanted to implement on this new record, you know, see like what things work, what things don't, what people gravitate towards. Um, and not only that, but like, you know, being able to like be on the tour bus and like listen to these new songs before they're out and be like, I can't wait till, you know, we can play this in this venue. Sure. And, you know? Um, yeah, it was, it was fun. And we, we, we felt like we really had time to kind of flesh out these ideas and see where we want to take this, this next era of girlfriends. Amazing. I love, I love what you guys are doing. I mean, the, from the band name to the creative titles to the music, it's, it's such a cool project. Thanks, man. Yeah. I, and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, Thanks for I, having us. Yeah. One more quick question. I'll see if I can get an answer from both of you. If you have any advice for aspiring artists. My advice is just do it. There's not going to be a perfect time. There's not going to be, you know, a perfect amount of knowledge or skill or talent that you learn. Like if you want to do something, Start doing it because all of my successes have come from mistakes. I love that. That's a great one. Look at this guy's nailing it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. For me, it just comes down to focus. I think it's really hard sometimes to just stay focused. And I think being able to have focus and clarity comes from staying in a positive mindset and positive mindsets come from healthy lifestyles. Um, and I don't know, sounds a bit cliche, but I think, more things will get done with positive mentalities and, and focus. Right. And I mean, to Travis's story earlier, just around like the grind sometimes of what this is actually all about it, all the bells and whistles sounds nice when we were first talking about record deals and all these things, but um, in all reality, there's a lot of time and behind the scenes grind of things that happen to be able to get to where you want to get. And um, having that focus throughout it, I think helps with everything, you know? So Mm -hmm. yeah, that would be kind of, I guess my advice.